The Biggest Heroes of 2012 Assemble! Brian Michael Bendis, Mark Bagley, Avengers Assemble! Issue 1, new series starting March 2012. Purchase includes free digital copy offer! Marvel, m-m-m-marvel, m-m-m-marvel. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. A brilliant surgeon named Dr. Michael Hafar marries a femme fatale, causing his life to turn upside down. Things go more awry when he falls in love with a talking random banter. Random banter time, buddy! Talk to me, tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today! I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Steve Martin film with David Warner, Merv Griffith. The man with two brains? Ding, 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 ding. Ah. You got it. I see what you did there. Been a day, right? I see what you did there. Yeah, do you know why? Do you know why? Because we got reptile, which is a dinosaur that's got a small brain, and there's another brain inside that are as well. Yeah, the hindquarter brain that controls the tail. It's like Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, reptile's got two brains in him at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I see what you did. Yeah, nice. I was, nice. I was very proud of myself with that one. Yes, very good job. I'm, I'm proud of you too. <laughs> Actually, we just got finished watching Only Murders in the Building season three, mm-hmm. which. Has Steve Martin in it? Yeah. I still have yet to watch those. I really want to. They're good. And I will tell you, I will spoil all of season three because they have guest stars, including (coughs) and also a surprise guest star. (coughs) And there's also like the main star of season three is, (coughs) I mean, I hate to spoil all that for you. I really do. But, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I have to. I was really looking forward to that. But now all these spoilers have just ruined everything for me. Why do I even try and watch modern pop cinema anyway? I just won't because that's what you I've really been doing. don't. Yeah. No, no. There is a lot of that going on right now where I'm not watching much of nothing. <laughs> well, you see, I still am watching stuff, but I also decided and we'll get into this once we get into our how to contact us section. But I decided to swear off of Twitter also known as X, because I'm sorry, I don't like racists. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I hate to get a little political here and stuff, but, you know, I just decided not to. So I said, we're just not going to be on there anymore. I stopped getting on there and find that I got a little extra time in my day, which is nice. Yeah, I see that. It's fun how when you kind of get off of a social media, you're like, yeah, that opened some time and I'm kind of okay with it. I've been off Facebook for about a month now, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I need to get back onto that. Hmm. Facebook is okay because mostly it's just checking in with close friends anyways. You know, you you can really control your who's around. So that's nice. Yeah, which is really good on that part. It's just the aspect of not having access to it right now has been kind of nice for me where I've been like, oh, I could. No, I don't know what's going on with people. I'm really insulated. This is kind of okay for a little bit. I want to get back on because I miss friends and seeing what everybody's doing. But I've been kind of just like, oh, I need to get that back up. (laughs) But I have taken the time to really get back into doing something I haven't done for a while. And that is reading actual books. I mean, I've been keeping up with comic books pretty well. But I decided, you know, I've got a good stack of books 
that are here that I need to read. I have purchased, I have bought, they are right here. I need to read them. So finally got off my duff and I started to read novels and I'm happy about it. I got back into reading a series that I really liked and I had bought in the last three or four books, Stephen Brust's Lord Taltosh series. I know the author's name, but I'm, I believe I'm unfamiliar with the entirety of their body of works. Oh, he's got like 17 books in this in the main story, plus he's got about six or seven books that are kind of adjacent to. He is tongue-in-cheek. He writes kind of wacky. He's got a very distinct style of writing. It's a bit of Sam Spade gumshoe in a fantasy world that has got some world-building galore that ha- that you have to get through. But it's a fun hmm. little series, and I've enjoyed it for a long time, and I'm kind of glad to be getting back into it. Of course, it's been a long time. It's some big world building. And I had to try to remember who these characters were, what the relationships were, what the entire world was kind of like. But I figured it out after a while. Internet's wonderful for that. What's what's the uh, detective's name again? Well, he's not a detective. He's actually kind of an assassin. But it's written in the style of a detective. And a lot of what he does is, eh, it could be called detective work, Vlad Taltos. Okay. Or Taltos. Okay, then... I'm like, wait a minute, what you're describing sounds very familiar to me, to something that I really liked, and nope, that one's not it. There's many others in that vein. I want to get back into reading books. I I got back into them a little while ago and and then dropped back off. I love having a novel in the hand. It's always great. But man, that phone and children take precedence. Well, the child, you you just kind of give them some silly string. Or actually, you could be like here. There was a Saturday that my wife was running around the house doing a bunch of stuff. And my daughter and I were just sitting on the couch reading. Hmm, nice. Actually, what we did on Monday, actually, it was Friday. My wife was working on Friday after Thanksgiving, and my daughter and I both had it off. We went outside. We put up some lights. It got cold. We got a little tired, came in, ate, ate a little bit, and then we sat down, and we both were reading books. And then we got up. We finished doing the light, came back in, sat down, and my wife is just working all yeah. day. And she's like, what are you guys doing? Stuff. Yeah, we're doing stuff. <laughs> we're being very, very productive as well. But now, I'm sitting here about ready to record with you. And before I ask what you have been doing, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I will say that I'm a little stuck right now because when I came down, get ready to record, brought some dinner down, sat down. I was the only one in the house. Our kitten that we got seven, eight months ago came down with me and she is asleep on my lap right now. So Yeah, you're trapped. I have got everything for the recording except for the comic book, which I will have to get to at some point in time. Well, she's got another hour on your lap and then she's got to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so while I'm stuck here and I can't do anything to stop you. What have you done for the enjoyment of nerddom in the past couple of weeks? I've got the majority of my Christmas lights up. That took three odd days or something to do. I've been trying to do them piecemeal. That's looking good. I've been watching One Piece on Netflix. Slowly, piecemeal by piecemeal. I think I'm like three episodes in. Really enjoying that. So you're watching One Piece, One Piece at a time. I'm watching One Piece in multi-piece bites. Yes. Uh, (laughs) No, the opposite of that. Yeah, each piece takes a lot of meal prep. Doing that, but otherwise, my daughter, we've been trying to get her to do a pedal bike for a long time now, and she's like, yeah, I can do that, but she just really prefers her Strider bike. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I'm putting Christmas lights up here behind me. She goes, hey, Dad, I did it. I'm like, yeah, what? And she goes, I turned, and I look, and she's on a pedal bike. And so Mm -hmm. she's just self-promoted herself onto doing pedal biking. So we've been doing that past couple of days. She's doing really awesome, and I'm like super proud of her, because it was like her skates, where it was like when she was ready, she just picked them up and started roller skating, and now she's picking her bike up and pedal biking. And I'm like, yes, finally, this is awesome. We can go on bike rides together. I'm super excited about it. Very good. Very good. I'm glad about that. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was a little bit late bloomer on the bike, and I had to finally push her a bit and say, come on, 
We got to do this. And once she got on there, she got on there and took off. And it's all good after that. Mm -hmm. But all that aside, you know, we might as well move on, talk about some other things. Because I got a cat on me. I can't do anything else. Might as well. Jeff, quietly, give me a two cents replay from last episode. Hungry, hungry hippo enthusiast hybrid hungers for a hero's feast. So reptile grubhubs form and that meal delivery consists of tiger, butterball, and white tiger. Hybrid adds them to a snack tray of Striker, Lyra, and Lightspeed, but when he gets to munching on White Tiger, he finds that her magic amulet is a spicy pepper that burns him, breaking his mental hold so Reptile has to fight and get his tail handed to him by White Tiger. Now that the Reptile then decides to become a good guy and hits the alarm so that the whole school can fight Hybrid, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what her power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Let's see if this will wake up the cat when I open up this tasty, tasty beverage that's in this paper bag. (laughs) Fort George, consider the fruit punch. Fruited quick sour ale. Oh, the other fruited sours that we've had I've really liked. This is neat. This is a colorful hibiscus plant color, flower shapes on the background with a microscope that seems to be punching into a juice bag. Kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Why would I get something called Consider the Fruit Punch? (laughs) Oh, let's see, because would you like a Hawaiian punch? Metal's Hawaiian, and he punches stuff. Yeah. Uh, Also, uh, a little bit of nod to science with the microscope on the front. So yeah, Fruit Punch, the science of it all with Hank and a lot of the sciencey stuff they got going on here. I just think that there's a lot of punching going on. I felt it to be appropriate. Very appropriate. It's a ridiculous amount of punching against somebody with a force field that just ignores it. Hybrid's too powerful. Let's punch more. We see you covertly sliding that last plastic juice pouch out of the cooler at the beach. It's okay. You deserve it. You need it. Children are small and resilient. You are larger and also have more surface area through which to lose moisture. Hydration is important. Summer is hard. Until now. Pillage the children's summer refreshment stash no more. It's time to consider the fruit punch. For adults, an adult fruit punch. Fill up your cooler with these tart, satisfying cans of bright red liquid sunshine and let the juice boxes be. 5.1% ABV. I managed to open up the can without disturbing the cat too much. And we have ourselves a beverage that is red fruit colored. It's not it's not Hawaiian punch red, but it's on its way there. No, it looks like a grapefruit juice. It looks like carbonated grapefruit juice. It's got a really beautiful grapefruit color. When you punch it open, I'm like, oh, that smells like a juice box that's gone off a little bit. It does. Yeah. It smells It smells a lot like a, like a Hawaiian punch or a fruit punch that's just got that tart really on the nose. Yeah, and it is tart. It is tart. It is tart. 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 Yep. The other fruited sours that we've had were really like candy. They were super sweet, which was funny. This has got a little bit of tart to it. It's nice, but it does tart the tongue very well. Yeah. Thinking about sours and the sweetness level on them, it's okay that we have something that is more traditional sour. The tartness, the taste that is hitting in the back of the tongue, kind of not even the full back, just mid-back tongue range, it definitely is hitting that one spot that sours like to live in. And it stays there. It sets up camp and says, I'm not going anywhere for a while. You just enjoy your day. I'm going to just chill out back here in the back of your tongue and enjoy life. So you've got that tart taste just sitting back there. And wow, it makes you want to drink more. (laughs) Yeah, there is that. It is funny because it does really ride the tongue back and just hang out in the back where I'm like feeling it right now. I'm like, 
Man, I wonder if this is going to make a heartburn because it's just, it's burning in that, getting close to the heartburn area. Yeah. Tasty though. Man. Tasty. Tasty. I kind of look at what they're talking about with the plastic juice pouches, the fruit punch juice drink. Those are heavy, heavy sugar. This has sucked all the sugar out of it and just left the tart taste, which good, great. It's that one note tart flavor, which it's not bad. It just doesn't make me think of the fruit punch. It's like fruit punch adjacent. It's fruit punch tangent. It is reminiscent of a fruit punch that had a bad turn in life and has a bunch of tattoos and regrets. It's a sour. It is definitely a sour. And a lot more on the tart than sour notes. But it is tasty. I do like it. It is tasty. I love me a good sour. This is a good sour. And I think I'm going to enjoy it. Now, are we going to enjoy this beer or this book more? Hmm. Maybe we'll enjoy them equally. Do you think that this beer will beat up this book? If you spill one on the other, you will know which one is the winner, and it will be the beverage. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Oh no, I knocked a comic book onto my food and ruined my food. No, other way around. Well... I can name a couple of comic books that that could probably happen with. <laughs> <laughs> We've reviewed some of them. <laughs> okay. Jeff, would you be so kind as to give us the opening credits, sir? Avengers Academy, issue number 25, April 2012. Class reunion. Credits. Writer, Christos Engage. Penciler, Tom Grummet. Inker, Corey Hampshire. Colorist, Chris Sotomayor. Letterer, Joe Caramanga. Editor, Bill Roseman. Featuring Giant Man, Tiger, and Quicksilver, and Hawkeye as the staff. And the students are Reptile, Finesse, Striker, Metal, Hazmat, White Tiger, Lightspeed, X-23, Butterball, She-Hulk, and Justin Seyfort. Everybody is fighting everybody. Wow, Jeff. That is a really nice word picture. You painted on this audio medium. Do you do this professionally? What do you want from me, Rick? We have a villain that can take over people's minds, and he's either knocked out or mind-controlled two-thirds of the Academy. There's a lot going on in this two-page spread, and I am, notably, very lazy. Well, can you at least give us where people are at? Fine, Rick. Really pushing on me today for effort. Giant Man is trying to suplex a T-Rexified up reptile. Metal is playing defense against a swinging X-23. Finesse is kicking White Tiger in the chest. Hawkeye is trying to shoot an arrow at Hybrid and, you know, failing. Hazmat is standing there like a lawn ornament. Tiger, Striker, Butterball, Lightspeed, and She-Hulk are floating stun-locked in midair, and Quicksilver is taking a well-deserved nap. To be fair, Hazmat is not just standing there. She is watching X-23 get intimate with Metal. You call being stabbed getting intimate? Chink. You say potato. I say flirty, flirty, stab, stab. Either way, Hazmat does not like it at all. It will not stand. So she exposes Laura to some serious radiation. Kazak. Always looking for a chance to teach slash mansplain slash critique, Giant Man warns Hazmat that Laura does not have a healing power as good as Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> healing factor. Sure. Of course Hazmat remembered that and wasn't trying to get her murder on. You know, maybe. Really, though, Hank should be focusing on his own fight. I mean, a rampaging lizard may be cool when it is Godzilla, and not when it is live and in person. But is it really a rampaging lizard? Reptile is in Hybrid's thrall, but he is also just below the surface, fighting to get back some of his control. He finally does get just enough control back to swing his tail to knock White Tiger into Hybrid. Oh, right! The purple people eater has a severe allergy to magic kitties. Yeah, you could say that Reptile schooled him. And shout out to Jonathan Schaefer-Hames for that joke. First, 
Not a good joke. Second, why are you giving him any credit? And third, that little maneuver seems to have knocked out the mind controlling, so woo to the who. Still, Hybrid is a threat, and he'll just take everyone down as soon as he gets a moment to. Krizak. Destroy. Unless, of course, a sentinel robot just happens to be on campus. What are the odds? Now might be the time to remind you and everyone that Hybrid is on another level. He did just spend an entire afternoon with a psychic straw sucking out the milkshake power juice of half a dozen or so superheroes, so his Wheaties are kicking in. Your statement has made me uncomfortable. Hang on, I'm on a roll. That's why there's butter on my pants. With the amped up energy bar boost, the annoying, ugly, indigo evil opponent matches the buttons on his metaphorical controller and both unscrews and unglues a majority of the structural points of Justin Sentinel. Let me guess. Then he reaches over and taps his that was easy button from Staples. No, that is a tired and outdated joke and the kids today won't Get it. I disagree, but I am distracted by Hybrid trying to strangle choke metal while yelling about claiming dominion over all of them. I am more disturbed by the fact it could be working. Things have massively gone off the rails, and future Humberto is realizing that he has made a horrible mistake. He quickly owns up to who he is to finesse, who buys the story because she has observed the differences, and this all makes sense. But she is not going to stand around and watch her friends be destroyed. Okay, so plan B. Humberto runs away. Sort of. He runs to the computer room and calls for some help. First, he patches the security cameras into the computer core and says they need help, while also saying that they need to make their decision and act on it. Strangely, someone then answers him. Hmm, odd. Hanging up, he then calls Future Striker. Okay, I mean, he can just make calls to an alternate future now? That's a good phone plan. Pretty sure he brought back a calling card from his timeline. I hear they're pretty affordable, too. <laughs> Whatever. Future Striker is ready to pull the plug on this mission, though, but Reptile thinks he can still pull a W in the category for them. Speaking of Reptile, the younger version, that is in the future body, is being observed by his kid, who breaks him out of his prison because this is scaring her. She just wants her daddy. The freed time displaced hero is confused. As am I. The future academians break down what is happening. They are trying to save lives in their timeline. They are trying to save his daughter. They are trying to... Dare I say it, save the cheerleader. Well, that is all you had to say. We do also get a moment with him and future finesse. They're divorced now. She knew she would have memory problems like her dad, and she didn't want kids. But the future reptile convinced her to, mar convinced her to marry him anyways, because he is that suave. And now they are living the nightmare that she knew would happen. Way to go, Rico Suave. Way to go. The younger reptile points out that it can't be all that bad. She is getting a reminder of what they were like when they were younger, and his future self is getting to see firsthand as well. Maybe, just maybe, they could hold on to that, and when future him gets back, they could talk and patch things up. Ah, Hope, you elusive fruit fly. Well, time to send reptile back to the past. Speaking of the present, Giant Man is trying to shrink Hybrid, but is only getting owned by that creep. But, since Hybrid is distracted, Reptile is able to introduce his dino tail to the fight. Then his big dino teeth to one of Hybrid's arms. That is gonna leave a mark. But it also gets the villain up close and personal. So, Hybrid tries to take over his mind. But there are two of them there now. With an extra blast of energy, Hybrid just floors the dual identity dino. Thoom! Dino fall down and go thoom. White Tiger, Finesse, and Lightspeed go and check on Umberto as he turns human. He mumbles that he is sorry and that he was trying to protect things that were important. And then he passes out, breathing, 
but unresponsive. Finesse says that his mind is broken and that it is Hybrid's fault. As the girl's about to charge into battle, Hank yells, Wait! He says it is time to fight smarter, not harder. <laughs> you think? Glad that the brains of this teaching institution finally showed up. He decided to look up some info on this villain from the X-Men archives. It says, and I quote, that they need a weapon used by an unnamed for legal reasons space knight. Great. Call him. We can't because we, aka Marvels, we can't because we, aka Marvel Comics, don't own the rights anymore. So he is a special kind of dead. Yeah, well, that's just peachy. Oh, it's okay. They know they need to build something to send this creature to Limbo. Just not the Limbo used in X-Men. <sighs> Space Knight redacted. Limbo, not Limbo. Oh, my head hurts. For now, White Tiger needs to go and be Magical Girl around the deformed Barney. Lightspeed needs to get Quicksilver and go find parts. Giant Man is going to stand and say stuff at the fighting monster. Good plan, team. Break! He also goes to check on the comatose boy. Oh, you think he's comatose? No, he's awake now. Apparently, taking context clues from the future, the future personality took the big coma hit and protected the younger personality. Ah, uh, that's nice. Now, take me back to the big fight. Well, while the punch parts of the Academy are distracting Hybrid, the Speedsters are building a dimensional portal while Hank and Finesse are hot-wiring it all into the Sentinel's hand as a power source. All comes together A-Team style when Hybrid is maneuvered into place. Then they turn on the portal, and Hybrid starts to get sucked in. While the defeated villain starts making threats about returning and retribution and all that jazz, the portal really starts to do its job, and the baddie, much like the Greyhounds did during Season 1 of Ted Lasso, Starts to believe. Man, he is pleading so hard that a first-year law student is impressed. Speaking of impressed, I like how quick the Avengers are able to fix up that broken sentinel hand, because it was just disintegrated by hybrid a minute ago. Insert Oh, problem. That should not have happened. I mean, the head's not even attached. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh Jocasta did it. Say what? Yeah, you know how she was all dead with no backups? Well, that was all her own doing. Faked her own death, you know. Oh, so she's evil now. No, Rick, she's not evil. Of course not. She's been working with Vale. Who joined the villain's new organization. So Jocasta's evil. No, Rick. Future Reptile called them for help. Who is evil? Not relevant. And... Jocasta had just done the math and figured out that all the brainy flesh bags were leading this bag of dynamite, aka the power kids of the academy, to a sticky end, so she thought she would just take matters into her own hands and manipulate things from the shadows while everyone thought that she was dead. Oh, that is so evil. <sighs> Rick, as I keep saying, she's not evil. But, you know, she is also there to shut down the school. So, yeah, she may be evil now. Told ya. Anyways, let's go ahead and go to the cover of this issue, which... Well, that's kind of evil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have a cover here being done by Rodin Esquejo, who's done all of our covers. Oh, by the way, Jeff, just FYI from what this cover's telling me, yep. it's it's coming. Just two months until AVX. It, that's Avsk. 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 You know the one, Avsk. That popular character. Avengers versus X-Men, April 2012. Anyways. Man, I just as an aside, I remember that series and it just annoyed the heck out of me because it was like fights that didn't need to happen. I remember if they, yeah. what I remember about it was that where it was just like, you know, what are you why? What yeah. <laughs> yeah, it frustrated yeah. me. From what I remember about it, it frustrated me. But we that's not yeah. that's a two month from now problem. 
That's a two month from now problem. Right now we have this problem. Again, this is a very good cover. I like it. This is probably a bit more painted. Yes, it does have that. More of 3D, but I think it's very cool. I, I like it. We have Giant Man fighting a very big dinosaur reptile. It's reptile in some kind of dinosaur form. I mean, he is huge. He's green and he's in his face. I like the contrast between the red of Giant Man versus the green of reptile. Yep. Very, very cool. Especially like when monsters attack giant monsters, kaiju type. Yeah, it's kaiju. So battle that's time. It's cool. great. It is Reptile's T-Rex form, but because it's so close up, it doesn't look like that. It looks a lot more like a Godzilla monster or like a yeah. dragon turtle kind of thing. It's it's Reptile. He's fighting the T-Rex. He does that in the book. Different color scheme, everything, but it does look awesome. And for perspective, we have Lightspeed, Hazmat, and Metal, and they're running away. And they're right down here in the bottom corner, and it's just, they are tiny, yep. they are big. Yep. It's very, very cool It looking. is pretty sweet. I like this cover a whole lot. Yeah. I really, really yeah. do. I kind of hate the fact that there is a banner at the top, and I kind of hate that the Avengers Academy is taking up so much of the bottom. Yeah, it, it really crowds it. Yeah, I wish the banner was gone at the top, and then we just had, I don't know where to put the Avengers Academy. I, I don't know where that needs to go. It's just a, a cool picture, and I think it loses a lot by being squished in there. I would shrink the Avengers Academy logo and drop it in the top left-hand corner where the sky is at. No, you get rid of the banner. Yeah, but that's also where you usually have the corner box of some kind. And so you really are are sacrificing that, too. Yeah, Yeah, that was my first thought, too. But ah, I'm just thinking because there's Sky, because the Avengers Academy logo is taking up the bottom third quarter of it. It's running over metal. It's running over like a third of Giant Man. It is really kind of blocking this really nice art. Maybe do have it up at the top and you have, you do one of the things where it's breaking through and mm-hmm. you have Reptile breaking through it. Oh, that'd be I great. That would have been, been kind of nice. cool. That would have been really good, yeah. Yeah, in fact, you could have had it like, yeah, smashing over his head or something. Yeah, yeah, he's just kind of breaking in underneath it and that, yeah, that could have worked a lot better. So again, a really kind of cool artistic flair. The cover loses a lot just because of how squished it is, but because it's, it feels like it should be larger than life. Mm-hmm. So, That's the cover. We both like the cover a lot. How do we feel about this book? Let's talk about that. This is a book full of just fights. Yep. And it's fine. There's a bit more to it than just fights. There's a whole lot of punch a force field because there there is stuff. (laughs) There is the future stuff. There's stuff with Finesse. There's stuff with Humberto. There's the reveal of Jocasta. There are things going on, but it is predominantly like... This wall is so hard when I punch it. So maybe if we both punch it, kind of a thing. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a whole lot of punching. It is. It's one of these fights where it's just like a big delay fight, where it's just yeah. it just goes on, and it's kind of like okay. At no point feasibly would the heroes win in these situations. White Tiger can actually hurt the thing. Yeah, but Hybrid can also take over her mind. It's like the only thing that can hurt him is her, but that just seems like it's just like, ah, rug burn sort of thing. My problem with this book is thinking about it, I have a hard time remembering anything vitally important. You're right, Jocasta and Vale, they come in at the end. But realistically, I think the next book, I'm going to look at the next book and say, oh, Jocasta and Vale are back because we get a deal with that then. So the fact that they show up at the last page of the book, meh, okay, It is fairly forgettable. It is fairly didn't matter. In the sense where yeah. they it, they didn't need to be there to have what Hank's plan 
was to go forward. You know, instead of them just saying, you know, it's like, oh, good shot. You, you fired the disintegration beam out of the Sentinel's hand. Well, that's impossible because the head's off. It's like, no, we scienced it and it's science fine. We did it. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I needed something else going on here with hybrid. I needed hybrid to go away and do something and them to go after him and, and figure it out and how to solve the problem. Hybrid's difficult character here. I just think that it would have been a lot better if Hybrid took his yummy, yummy fruit snacks, his his juice box full of his like five or six juice yeah. box superheroes that he is getting his power and saying, I've mm-hmm. got my power and I'm going to go fly away over here to yeah. San Alto, California. Yeah, and then layer and, up. Yeah, layer up and with layer his up. Uh, fruit snacks. Yeah, and then we have a big okay, we need to readjust here. We need to figure it out. And oh my God, Umberto, why are you doing this to mm-hmm. us? What have you done? And instead of him having whatever is going on with the future things and what's happening here and his own internal struggles, it's really weak. Mm-hmm. Instead of having all of that, I think having being confronted by his friends now and how he forgot about his friends mm-hmm. of the day, that helps turn him around. And then they get together figure out a plan, go forward, and do the one big fight to take down the bad guy at the end. Mm -hmm. I think that could have been a lot better. I just feel it just really was struggling with this one, trying to figure out what is this book besides just a really long fight? It's a really long, let's admit it, boring fight. Yeah. There's not much of anything exciting going on with it. It's just stuff. And I've been liking this book. And I've been liking this book a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. This this has been a really good run. Christos does a really fantastic job in writing. I'm liking it because it's just, it's an ensemble cast where everybody is getting a moment to shine. This is one of those ones where not everybody is getting their moment. Most people are very background. They're either floating in the air, paralyzed, or mind-controlled and blankly fighting, or... Or and here, X-23, her big soliloquy was, grrr, <laughs> done. That was it. Yeah. There was an interesting engagement with Metal and Hazmat while Metal is fighting Laura. Sure. The ongoing love triangle. Yeah, the, the non-love triangle, which is just so, the flat line. I still thought that was great, but he was he was cracking me up where he's just like, oh, Hazmat, you're right. You should be worried. She can't keep her hands off me. And she's all, that's not funny. Yeah, yeah. There were moments in there. It, there was neat stuff with past reptile and future finesse. There was interesting things about the kid. So there, there were bits in there where I'm like, this is really interesting. This is really cool. But they were just little, you know, little snippets in the montage where you're like, oh, I like that. No. Oh, I like that. So speaking of the future stuff, I'm struggling a little bit with the future stuff. And I think it might be because we are jumping into this book at about issue 20. Mm-hmm. Don't know the kids enough really that well. I haven't grown up with them with a book, maybe going back and kind of reading it. I would care more about thinking, oh, this is where they're going to be out in the future. But I don't feel the panic or the connection or the sense of urgency about what really is going on. Here's a good example. One of my favorite future stories impeding upon the past is, of course, always going to be Days of Future Past, the X-Men story that Chris Claremont wrote. You start off that story in the future with a group of X-Men, a group of mutants that are being that are second-class citizens. You know that they have been, you know, controlled, that the world is a dangerous and distraught place, and you see these sentinels coming, and they're slaughtering these characters you love. You are in danger, and you know what's going on. And when they send somebody back to the past, you know that this is a desperate attempt to fix something so that they don't have this future. These future Avengers Academians are in this polished 
futuristic room that they are planning what's going on in the past. Mm -hmm. Here is my thing. Even if we had 20 more issues of connection with these characters, Vale and Stryker and Reptile and Mm -hmm. all that, I do not think that there would be a resonance happening with the future characters. And the main reason why of that is because the future events are nebulous and they are doing stuff because. And, you know, it's kind of like they're saying the timeline's in flux. Okay, that would mean that you would be noticing differences in your future now, right? But you're not. Again, it's that branching multiverse kind of thing where it's just like going back doesn't necessarily mean it's going to necessitate your future happening. It just means you're going to try and guide it that way, but it's not going to be the same future. And almost in very short order, Humberto should have been able to see like, yeah, things are already different. Mm -hmm. And I might be able to kind of steer them towards what we want without all the bad stuff happening. But instead it was just like, well, all this bad stuff has to happen. Does it really? Then there was the vague who in the future was like ordering them to go back. It was like, well, he wants us to go back to fix this. Well, who's he? I think the better thing to do is if you wanted to do some kind of future story, I almost would have kept most of the future stuff locked away and not even shown. Mm -hmm. And instead, we are getting the hints of the future through conversations with the future Umberto that's here. Yes. And as he starts to break down and as he starts to say, I'm making mistakes, this isn't working. And he starts to explain to people what's at stake. Mm -hmm. I have a daughter. Finesse and I have a daughter. And you start learning this through his account and you start seeing how this has affected him. The things I have liked about the Avengers Academy right now have been the interactions with the characters and how they interact and how they feel towards each other. Mm -hmm. We make fun of it, but Hazmat's entire jealousy towards metal about X-23, that's a character beat you can understand oh yeah because she can't touch anybody metal's the only one she can touch she's afraid that metal's getting taken away from her even though it's not happening but we can see and we can sympathize and we can feel exactly what she is feeling there we aren't getting that same kind of interaction with the other characters if we had umberto telling people this and explaining it to them and showing the pain and sorrow he's feeling he's like i don't want to lose my daughter Mm -hmm. we are seeing future being in flux the changes that are being made here are affecting the things in the future and you don't show us the future we have to get it kind of painted from his telling then we are more engaged and we're more interacting with characters that we liked I think people, we've seen a lot of people comment that they're glad that we're doing this series because a lot of people liked it. And I think that the thing that people liked in it is the character interactions, the good writing, the interesting stories that were there. And I think that that's missing in this book and in the past couple of books leading up to this. We'll blame hybrid. It's hybrid. It is hybrid's fault. I I don't think it's hybrid is a very good character. And I don't think that the, the future timeline is really fleshed out the right way. Yeah, I agree. I think if they had narrowed the focus down on the future timeline to just being, because instead of like timelines in flux, we need to make it so that our future happens. Mm-hmm. If it was just reduced to, we need to save Maria. We need to have this dot. This is the thing that is important. I don't care yeah. about the rest. This is the one where I have a daughter. I want her so much. I want to keep the daughter. If they had just brought it down to such just a concise thing, as opposed to, mm-hmm. we're trying to save everybody. We're trying to save the future. And my, my daughter is important. And we don't know anything about the future, but all we know is that the original cast of Avengers Academy kids are all there. Yeah. Well, I'm not seeing what the problem is. If if he tells about, like, we lost Stryker in doing this. Stryker had to sacrifice his power to send me back. Cost. Mm-hmm. We can feel that. 
as opposed to the cost being, oh, metal and hazmat aren't it together anymore. It's there was no interaction between the two of those. Yeah. Veil. Oh, yeah. isn't Veil supposed to be discorporated by now? Oh, we don't need to talk about that. But hey, the book does give us the return of Jocasta and Veil. Yep. So cool, I guess. Figured Jocasta was coming back at some point. I'm curious to see what her rationale is, but also I'm curious to see if she's with Veil because she wants she goes, Oh, you know the best person to defend the Avengers Academy is Psycho Boy. He's got money. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious where that's going, but it just kind of seems like... I don't know if four or five issues is long enough for me to really miss this character, or either of these characters, because Vale left, and then Jocasta was killed one or two issues later. And then three or four issues, they're brought back. Yeah. It might have been four issues. Yeah. Yeah. It may have yeah. been four issues where it's like, yeah. she was at the beginning, and then she... Oh, no, she's died, and then some... Four months, which... So that's four months... Which, four issues, maybe it's faster reading it as quickly as we're reading it, but I just, like, I would miss you more if you were gone for a longer period of time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had time to miss you yet. (laughs) Yeah. And also considering that, like, the only person grieving her passing was Giant Man. Yeah. Everybody else, it was very much just like, Jocasta's dead. Also, it's Sloppy Joe Night in the cafeteria. Yeah. I want to say more good things about this. I think that the artwork is great in this book. Oh, the I artwork really... is really nice. I am enjoying the artwork in this a lot. Yeah, this is fantastic artwork. I... If we're going to have crazy, pointless, punch em up stories, and we got our people here drawing the heck out of it, all right. You know what? Keep it going. Keep it going. I think that there is, there's a bit more content that we need to have in here. But the artwork, the lines, it's very much that 2000s, coming out of the 2000s type of artwork. But it's good. It's solid. It's clear. You can understand the different characters that are there. It may be a little, little cartoony, just a little. But it's very much that 3D style, little bit computer hybrid. Mm-hmm. Clean lines. Tom Grummet does a really good job. Yep. The ink, good, fantastic. Coloring, great. Not seeing any real mistakes that are in here. And all the characters are recognizable and well rendered. Yeah, they look fantastic. I love the way the characters look. Like each and every one of them. It's just like mm-hmm. anytime they get yeah splashed on page, I'm always like, oh, hey, wow, look at so-and-so. Oh, they look great. Yeah, oh. That looks really neat. Oh, that character looks cool. The art in it is superb. Yeah. It's just there needs to be a little more. There needs to be just a little bit more in here. I don't know. Yeah. I I, I don't know what else to say besides that at this point. Do you, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Overly, we could move on to the next part. Let's get into talking more about the art, which we did like in the Gallery of Greatness. Let's talk about the art that we want printed out and put on the now destroyed walls. The walls that are filled with a bunch of random metal from a blown up sentinel. Jeff, give me a joke back with one. Joke backup one is on page four of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it a totally non-lethal attack. I called it, don't touch my boyfriend. (laughs) Which resulted in the totally non-lethal attack. This is the center panel. It takes up a third of the page, and it is after uh, Metal has gotten stabbed in the shoulder by X-23. So that's when Hazmat steps up and kazaks her with chemical poison radiation toxic Gennaro bad for your health blast and she does not hold back at all with this blast it is uh, it is pretty hilarious to me yeah I-, I thought it was hilarious that's why it was my top one and I just don't touch my boyfriend she has had enough and of course the joke after that one is hey you do know that she doesn't have a healing power as strong oh yeah I knew that yeah she's very much like would have done it anyway she has a healing power <laughs> 
forgot about that. She has met did defend herself. She was just like, yeah, I, 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 well, yeah, the healing factor. I know that she's got that. Well, I've done it anyway. It's even with that. (laughs) My joke backup one is in the near the end of the fight. Oh yeah, it's. After they've been tussling for a while and hybrid and the Tyrannosaurus reptile and there's a Kirk as there's as hybrid tries to take over the minds of reptile and the Tyrannosaurus Rex falls down and goes thum. So the dinosaur's on its back and I said, you know, this would not have happened if I had longer arms. (laughs) It is a pretty funny panel. It's a a good panel. It's a dino on its back. Help, help, I can't get up. I can't get up. I've fallen and I have tiny arms. I can't get up. Yeah, it's it's a good (laughs) one. I can't get up. When I'd look at that one, it would kind of make me chuckle just because it was kind of a yerk. It was kind of a pratfall kind of a thing. Yeah. What else do you have? What else is funny to you? My top joke one is on page seven and I call it Robo Rubble. And this is after the Sentinel popped in and blasted Hybrid with his palm lasers. And uh, I'm sorry, his palm optic blasts. I just want to, I just want to dig it, Rick. And Hybrid just says, intolerable! Shreds the Sentinel into bits. So. (laughs) Yeah, I did not choose that one. But if I did, I would call it Some Assembly Required. Ooh, that would have been good. That's a good title. Mm. Yeah. All right. My good art, my backup good art. I'm going to go ahead and say that it is near the end of the fight, right before we get rid of Hybrid. They're having one last fight, kind of the distraction fight going on. It's in front of the portal, and they've got everybody surrounding Hybrid, and they're kind of they're punching him while Lightspeed and Quicksilver are putting the portal together. Foreground, you've got Finesse and Giant Man rewiring the Sentinel's hand. I don't know. There's something really cool about it. It's a good use of the foreground, oh, good. good use of the background. Yeah. Julie f- and flying around one way, Quicksilver going up the other way, the fight going on. You can tell what's happening there. I like that. They're like, this is the A-team moment. This is that final this is what we wanted from the fight in short burst and we wanted this ending where they figured out the way to solve the problem and they're going to beat the bad guy this is the cool part of that it's neat it's a good piece it is a really good piece it's a good choice didn't make my list but i do like it my backup best one though is on page three and it is called splash page shenanigans it's the very first panel, and it's got everybody fighting everybody, and it's awesome because it has a giant man fighting a possessed T-Rex, and everybody's doing their stuff. And I just thought, I'm like, everybody's doing, their stuff. everybody's doing something, and it looks cool. And it's yeah. neat because there's it's one page, but there's a bunch of little vignettes in it, so you can kind of zoom in on any part and be like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's Finesse and White Tiger are fighting. That's cool. Yeah. What about here? Oh, these people bring control over there. Hey, Quicksilver's knocked out. Oh, there's the cool wrestling match. Oh, Lauren Kenner fighting. Hawkeye's having trouble with his arrows. You know, so it's neat because there's these yeah, little it, pictures that you can go into. Everything is going on yep. in that one. That's why I chose it as my top hey. one. There's the opening splash page. It's really cool. It's fun. It's neat. There's a lot that's happening in it, and it's got all our characters, and we see what everybody's doing. Yep. Once again, that's the start. <laughs> yeah, that's the very start. What's your uh, backup? I told you my oh, backup. Sorry. Fighting one. What's your top one? My top one is on page six, and I call it Big Bot. And this is when Justin and his Sentinel show up, and the Sentinel just goes, destroy. And then Krizat's hybrid, and hybrid goes, Un. I just yeah. think it's a great looking Sentinel. It's a big, beefy Sentinel. It's doing stuff. Everybody's responding to it. Like, whoa, look at that. There's a big, bright blast. Just looks cool. I thought it was really neat. I really like that panel. 
that was one I was looking at a lot. Chose a different one, but no, I completely go with you on that. It's a very good Sentinel. It's a very good blast. Once again, it's it's a there are good moments in this book. Really good job with the artwork. Yeah. Uh, too bad that the rest of the book kind of was a little bit of a stinker. <gasps> Rubber and glue moment. <laughs> What's the best or most childish insult? My backup one is Striker. You took over a hybrid's body. Beat him at his own perv game. (laughs) This is when Vale had misted in and possessed Hybrid somehow with her gas powers. I don't know. I don't know how she does that, but apparently she can. Yeah, she just held them in place so that way they could blast him with the lasers. Yeah, it's a good one. I I looked at that. I did not pick that as a burn, but it's, it's pretty great. What did you choose? I picked one from Hybrid on page 18. They built the big arc. They're going to arch. They're going to shoot him mm. into it. And Hank's all, okay, now we need to move him to position. And Hybrid's response to that is, idiots, your strategies are as ridiculous as they are transparent. Did you really think I'd walk into your trap like a sheep tube? And then he gets hell. But I just like. That was my top. Oh, it's That was so my good. top one. Yeah. <laughs> it's still my backup, but it's it's so great. I just thought that was hilarious. You are going down idiots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's good. He, he, he kind of owns them a bit there. So I like that. I like that a lot. You found one that was a little bit better than that, though, huh? It is one that I like. I've already mentioned it. It's on page four. It is when uh, Metal and X-23 are fighting and Hazmat's just watching and the possessed Laura's just going crazy on Ken and Ken's all I see why you're jealous she's all over me not funny relax she can't hurt <laughs> you know, it's just like gets chunked in the shoulder yeah I just like Ken kind of taking a dig at Hazmat about you know yeah. her insecurities about but like oh Laura's all over you and it's just like yeah technically she is but yeah hey <laughs> all right all right good job there Jeff thank you Rick you did a good job too now let's talk about parent of the year the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. Do you have anybody else besides Reptile? I do, actually. Oh, okay. I chose Reptile because at the end of the day, yes, he did this all for his daughter. Yes, he did. Yeah. And at the same time, you could also think, too, that the older Reptile was a bit of a father to his younger self mm-hmm. when he decided to take the hit for himself and sacrifice his life. Reptile is an amazing and excellent choice, and I was really torn between Reptile and my choice, which is the other parent of Maria, which is Finesse. Just because okay. future Finesse, in the future, Finesse is talking to past Reptile about why their relationship didn't work and how the nightmare happened that she thought, but he really wanted a kid. And I'm seeing what past us was like. She's she's remembering about how they used to be and like, hey, maybe we could we could patch it together. I think so it's just like she's willing to compromise or kind of like she's regaining the innocence of her past. I thought that was neat. And then also after future Humberto is goes into a coma and Vale's like, oh, we gotta get him to the infirmary. Here, I'll take Maria. And Finesse is like, no, I'm her mother. She needs me. Her father did all of this for us. And for her, what kind of mother would I be to just abandon her to somebody else? So she's like really grasping back onto the fact that she is a mother and she does need to be there. And she's also, her short term's bad, but she's got the long term. So she remembers her daughter, just not who she is now. So I was like, you're kind of tragic, but you're also, you're trying your best right now. And you're really kind of stepping up. So I like finesse. Okay. All right. Well, we got the, the parents as the parents of the year award. Let's talk about most popular and most shunned. Who's the best and who's the worst in this issue? While we found it funny, I had to say the worst was Hazmat because, Mm. I'm sorry, she fried a teammate. Yeah, there's that. I could see that. Let's try to find a better way of dealing with this problem than death. 
Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> hazmat was on my short list. I knee-jerk reactioned hazmat. Mm. And then I started thinking about it, and I changed up. I went from hazmat to Jocasta. Well. Fakes her own yeah. death. Shows up kind of whenever. Wasn't going to show up except future reptile Calder came to shut down the school. No explanation. It's just like, uh, man, I think you're you're bringing a lot of drama and I don't know if you needed to. So I don't know. Why would you do that, though? She kind of was the dos ex machina. Uh, literally, she was the machine in the hand. Literally. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> the hand of the machine. The <laughs> No, I, I, I have a feeling that our hatred of Jocasta will only grow from this point on. That's just my thought. Okay. I, but I, I can like, see where you're coming from. I like Jocasta as a character. And I think there's sure, she's I got good too. arcs. And she's very much the put-upon mother figure of the school. But yeah. her actions on this, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not super digging what you've been doing here. But there needs to be some explanation probably coming you know, next yeah. issue. Who do you have as the best? Reptile. I had Reptile, but then I decided it just felt too easy, especially after we kind of wax poetic about him, about what he did for his daughter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, he gets the parent of the year. I get why you chose him. And I think we it's the parent of the year. Mm-hmm. It's him making the sacrifice. It's a lot of things. There's that. No, Are you mostly saying future or past? Both. Both, honestly, because, you know, it's like the future one was doing a bunch. Past one, he's super good. And, you know, he was trying to patch his yeah. relation, his his future relationship up with sure. Vanessa. He was still doing stuff to take care of his kid. You know, when he gets free of his cage, and he's just like, okay, this is the future. I know this. And I know in some of yeah. our futures, we're evil. Are you the evil ones? And they're just like, we're doing this for a reason, but we can't tell you why. And he's like, oh, I get it because we took the class. Yeah. First of all. You're kind of dumb because if we were evil, we wouldn't tell you. Mm, it could be that. But I just like the fact, too, that he's just I'm like, just oh, saying. it's going to be a paradox. Okay, what can I do to help? And Because we're just like, we want your help. We need to help. We can't tell you why. Oh, okay, got it. I think better than that is Justin. Oh, Justin was pretty sweet. Yeah. Justin came in last minute and he's like, I am going to solve this problem. I've got myself a sentinel. Let's try this. <laughs> Good plan. Could have worked. And he, the Sentinel went down hard. Yeah, and fast. But Justin brought in his Sentinel, mm-hmm. and they tried their best. Yeah, he brought in the, big, the biggest gun they had, and then, yeah, they glass cannoned it. I liked him coming in swinging hard. That was I like the was fact, awesome. too, where he's saying, he's like, you know, talking to a Sentinel, and he's all like, you were right, buddy. That thing messed with my mind, and I can see how he got his slimy hooks into me. Let's bust him up. Yeah, Justin was pretty great. These... These little moments that characters get to shine are amazing. I love those. Yes, they are. Is it enough, though? Is it enough to grant this book a spot in our 50, 50 comics? Can you believe that? We have 50 on this list, which is great because guess what? This is our 150th episode. Technically, we did some more because we got some point episodes in there. You know, some half episodes we did here and there. Yeah. our, 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 Our thing is 150 right now. Okay, so on this 150th episode, we have... 50 comics, top of the list, Fantastic Four, 588, Month of Morning. Spot 10, where Reed carpels with Galactus and Sue watches Namor commit regicide. Fantastic Four, 585, Kings of Atlantis. Spot 20, Intelligence. You know what intelligence is, right, Jeff? Yeah, that's where Reed calls heroes while Ronan makes a milkshake. It's good times. <laughs> that was an FF number 11. Spot number 30, Runaways number one, True Believers part one. Runaways are told by Gert from the future to beware of Victor. Spot number 40, Amazing Spider-Man volume one, number 660. Fantastic Voyage part two, Fight with the Pirates and Sinister Six, Ocean's Elevening. 
And at our bottom of our list, loners number one, number three, what lies beneath, Julie is in the hospital and everyone finds out nothing. Jeff. They're not what you feel? they're not at house they're definitely not at a hospital. Well let's let's just go as midline as we can and start from there. We'll go up or down. Number twenty-five is Avengers Academy, number twenty-four, the one previous is Reptile Tricks his friends into being launched for hybrid. Down. It's go further down. All right. Yeah, I I'm let's look here. Let's drop ten. Wolverine is bouncing through time. Wolverine issue number thirty seven. Fall back and spring forward. I kinda like that one a bit. It's moving that story along. The fights in there make sense. There's a lot of fights. Actually, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fighting going on. A little bit a of lot talking, a little bit of plot points, little character development things. But I think the the ongoing fighting works a little better in that book. Because oh. you, you, you understand what's going on in that. Yeah, back and forth on that one. I kind of get it, but I see those two as a little comparable. And it might be that I had harder issues with the Wolverine issue than I did with this one. Because I wasn't a huge fan of that Wolverine issue. It had some neat stuff. But there's things that are much lower. Spot 42, the Franktastic Four. It's where Frank, Leech, and Artie versus Arcade and the Impossible Man. And right above that is issue number 20. That's where Vale leaves, and this is where Vale comes back. So, do we like that one more? I like this one better than that one. Okay. Yeah, I like this. I like 25 better than 20. 20 just kind of dragged on. There were some little neat bits in that, but it was also kind of frustrating. It was also a book of, yeah, I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm going to leave too. You can't leave. I hate you now because you left. What about those people who are leaving? I don't know. Well, what do you think about Spider-Man and the Sinister Six <laughs> being like Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> there was some neat stuff in that one too. This is this is right around the area. This really is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be between these two. Okay. I kind of like that Spider-Man one a bit more. I can see where you're going with it being better than the Avengers Academy. Mm-hmm. The, oh, they fight the Sinister Six in the Ocean's Eleven. I'm like, yeah, that, that brought a smile to my face, fighting the, the pirates and everything. There's some silly in there. Let's make this the new 41. That would be good. I can, I can live with that. All right. Now, one good thing about tonight is that I have brought us Consider the Fruit Punch. There was a lot of punching in this issue, and we have got ourselves a punchy, punchy beer. Mm-hmm. How are you liking our friends at Fort George and their little Fruit Punch Sour? I'm enjoying it. It is not, again, I have worries about heartburn from it. It's just kind of like proto heartburn kind of from first sip. I do like it. It's tart. It's not overpoweringly tart. It doesn't make my face scrunch up. I'm not hating the flavor. It's a little challenging. It is quite acidic in its uh, taste vibe. I'm liking it. It Its flavor profile hasn't changed. I am enjoying it. I'm not love loving it, but I'm foring it, I think. I enjoyed enough that I think I'm like, yeah, this is really pretty good, but it's not peaking on me. It's 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 good, but it's not fantastic. The way you're talking, it sounds like a 3.5, whereas me, I have a very happy four on this one. I love me a sour. You have to really screw up a sour to really make me go low. This is enjoyable. I think it's fantastic. It's not special. I've had some really good special sours. This one is very serviceable. It's really good. It seems very traditional for the sour. And yet I am getting those fruit notes that are all coming in sour, but they're still good fruit notes. Mm-hmm. So I like it. No, it's it's a good drink. I am enjoying it. And you know what else is really good that I really enjoy? Huh. Why? It would be his perspective. And that is where Rick talks to his 13-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. 
Hello, Daddy. Let's talk about an issue of Avengers Academy, shall we? Yup. This time we're going to talk about... Well, you tell me what's in this issue. The giant alien thingy hybrid whatever. He has every, a lot of people under mind control and then somehow Reptile breaks through it and like shoves White Tiger against a hybrid and then stuff happens and then they're all free from mind control and then... Hybrid gets blasted into the unknown. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think about this issue? It was a lot, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it was just it, it was just kind of like, it was fighting and then gets blasted into the unknown. <laughs> and then people return. Yep, sounds about right. What do you think of Hybrid? I mean, he's evil. <laughs> <laughs> Between the time when Jeff and I recorded this episode and now, which is like the day I'm going to release this episode where you and I are talking, I had an opportunity to pick up a comic book that has a lot of old stories of Rom, the Space Knight, which is another character we aren't going to get into right now. But it was during those issues that Hybrid was first introduced. He was the son of the enemy that Rom was trying to kill. Oh. So I got to see Hybrid's beginnings. It is as bonkers as this issue is. So <laughs> he really is a character who is just pure evil. And everything about him is evil. There's nothing that's good about him. Wow. Yeah. There's no way, like, a deeper, like, story into it. No, there really isn't. His mother was human. His father was a dire wraith who is... Oh, so hybrid, literally. Yeah. He... The dire wraith are pure villains that Rom the Space Knight was always trying to hunt down and kill. But the one dire wraith that became Hybrid's father, he actually started to like Earth, and he was hiding as a human on Earth, and he had a wife, and he really just wanted to live. He really didn't want to do anything else with the dire race. He had no evil plan. It's just that his son was this mixture of the two. The dire race trained him to be powerful, and yeah, Hybrid killed his father and his mother, and oh. killed a lot of people. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So his father has a deeper story, but Hybrid is just kind of like death. His father did have a deeper story before he was killed. Yeah. That's pretty much Hybrid. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the fights in this book? They were okay. I mean, it was just a lot of attacking and hitting and missing and dodging and fights. And a little bit of future stuff, too, where, where the, the past reptile... Came back. Trapped into the... Yeah. Yeah. That stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What about the end of the book? Who's back? Vale and Jocasta. Are you happy to see them back? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I didn't really... Like, the first comic I picked up of this, like, series, Vale was already leaving, and then not that long after... The next issue, Jocasta died. Quote, unquote. And now they're back. Yeah. Not gone long enough for you to really miss them? I mean, I didn't really know them very much from the beginning, but... (laughs) (laughs) Anything else interesting or fascinating that stuck out at you with this book? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Julie made it to the cover. Yeah, Julie made it to the cover. Barely was in the book, but yeah. Did you enjoy reading the book, though? Sure. (laughs) Not one of your favorites? I was just kind of reading it. (laughs) Okay. It's just all I was doing. I was just like, okay, 
This is happening. Then I will not ask you any more questions about it, and we'll try to get this issue out the door, because <laughs> I'm late. So thank you very much for your time, Carrie. Welcome. Dinosaurs and robots and aliens. Oh, my. Well, we are at shout out time and we do like to recognize those people that can find out where we are hanging out on the social media and leave us some comments and reviews. And because we kind of cut out X and Twitter, we didn't get too many comments. You can still find us over on Facebook. You can still find us over on Blue Sky. You can still email us. There are a couple people that did find us, including Mal and also Tim Price. Yeah, Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters, who commented on Superhero Sports and Pietro. He left us some really good comments over on Blue Sky, so thank you very much, Tim. And we'd also like to say thank you to those people who still give us a little bit of money to do this show. And they give us that money over on Patreon, and you can be just like them. Just like adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Bollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering Avengers Academy issue number 26, Career Day. And sometimes I show up over on Longbox Crusade, but I would also like to spend this time to also say thank you to the wonderful fellow podcasters who we did our crossover with this year as part of the Halloween, I mean, Thanksgiving crossover episode where we covered all the Rutland Vermont comic books. And that was The Outcasters, Coffee and Comics, Ninjas and Bots, Married with Comics, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I think I got them all. I'm not sure. There was a lot of us this year. <laughs> we also have some merchandise available on Redbubble, so go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Merck Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Blue Sky at Jeff and Merck Present. Our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present. Our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, we've got a YouTube channel at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is A's Action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Mighty Like Us by Kevin McLeod. All music is found at acomptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution for owner license. Cat's still there, or she go? No, she just jumped down. Okay. Oh, actually, I'm going to take this moment here. To, One more thing. To let your legs wake oh, up. Oh, yeah, since oh, it's cold in the oh. house, it's like, oh, yeah, the furnace is on. And then it started kicking up. And I'm like, yeah, I got to go turn that off. <clears throat> Suffer from my art with the cold. I said, turn off the uh, thing that takes 
dust out of the air. Hmm. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, that thing. Clinger I, thing. I don't know what it is. 